Good morning. Welcome to Mechanicsville Baptist. It's a joy and a delight to be with you today in the house of the Lord. And if you are a guest, we want to especially welcome you today. And we are just so glad that you have chosen Mechanicsville Baptist to worship at today. If you are that special guest, we would ask that you would tear out that uh, tear out that's in your bulletin, fill it out, place it in the offering plate, and uh, we would be happy to get in contact with you, get to know you, and uh, fill you in on what God is doing here at Mechanicsville Baptist. And we uh, are just so privileged to have you today if you are a guest. And uh, before I give the announcements, Betty Bowles has a report um, for uh, Christmas in August. Good morning. I would like to thank all of you for your generosity and your contributions thus far to the Mission Friends Christmas in August project. The specific items that are needed have been advertised in the Touchstone and in other announcements during this month, and the collection boxes will be available uh, through Wednesday, August 31st, and then our mission friends will continue collecting items in their classrooms through the month of September when uh, these boxes will be packed up and shipped to Cynthia Martin, our North American missionary in Las Vegas, who works with the Safely Home Refugee Ministry. And our mission friends, the reason it's so quiet in here this morning, our mission friends are over there now celebrating at their Christmas in August party. We have made you aware uh, these last weeks of the various items which are needed by the refugees, and Sandra has mentioned the African, Middle East, and Asian countries that these refugees have left to come to the United States for a better life. And this, this brings the real purpose of what we are doing with our mission friends. Not only are we helping to provide just to us ordinary household items, but we are teaching our children a powerful lesson. We are teaching our mission friends that our church family really does believe that God has blessed us so that we may be a blessing to others. As our children watch these collection boxes fill up each week, they are learning through our Christian example that we give because we love Jesus and that we want to share God's love with everyone around us. God provides for our needs in abundance so that we may provide for those who just cannot help themselves. Jesus taught us this in Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 through 40. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see 
you sick in, or in prison and go to visit with you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these of my brothers and sisters, you did for me. When, when witnessing to the children of our church, we never know how God is going to use that witness. I know a little girl who was a mission friend here at Mechanicsville Baptist Church a long time ago, and she grew up to be a Baptist minister. Thank you for your witness to our children, and please give our mission friends our love, Sandra. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, Betty, and for the work that all of you do. It's such a uh, wonderful way to spread the gospel and to touch lives in ways that we'll never know this side of heaven. So thank you all for all that you do. And uh, first off, from me, before I give the last couple of announcements, thank you to everyone who has been praying for me in the last week uh, as I went off to seminary at Southeastern. I appreciate your prayers. Um, it's good to be back with you today, but uh, I appreciate your prayers over the last week, starting my first week of classes. So thank you to everyone who's kept me in prayer through that transition. Uh, just a couple of announcements this morning. Uh, don't forget youth tonight. We meet from 6 to 8. Uh, bring your favorite ice cream topping because we're having ice cream Sunday. So that's uh, always good. So just wanted to remind you of that. Uh, worship team, you'll meet at 6.30 this Tuesday night, and youth will meet again Wednesday night from 6 to 8. Uh, as Brenda and Linda play this morning, let's prepare our hearts and our minds to worship the Lord.
Amen. And you know, the words of that song are so simple, but yet that's so theologically deep that our mission as people of God is to let that light of Christ shine. And that's our prayer this morning, is that we would let his life shine through us today and every day of our lives. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world who has given his light to us that it may shine through our lives, through our world, through our words, through our actions, so that others may see the Lord Jesus through us. Thank you, God, that you sent Jesus who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace wherewith we can comfort our hearts and establish them in every good work, as Second Thessalonians says. God, may we establish Christ as our King in every work that we do. Bless us, Lord, as we prepare to worship your name. As we prepare to lift up the name of Jesus, may we honor you as the immortal, invisible, only wise God. May our lives point, Father, to you as we lift your name higher today. Bless this service. Bless the word that you would give through Tim today, and may it speak to our hearts as your spirit moves in this place. We love you, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you join me as we stand and sing about the majesty and the power of God this morning? Hymn number six, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise.
Hey, good morning. My name is uh, <clears throat> Jordan Mills, and uh, if you don't know me, I'm the drummer over in the first service. Um, I look a little bit different this morning because I had knee surgery this past week, so that's been interesting to get through. Uh, but um, Tim came in to me last week and asked me if I would speak about what the Family Life Center means to me, and I've had all week to to ponder that and um, what I've what I've really come to think about is is um, what all we're able to do in that facility. We're able to uh, just minister to so many people through the different activities that we provide over there. And you think, you know, we we're able to reach out to people through VBS and um, and stop hunger now. Uh, Caritas, and then you think of our Wednesday night suppers where we're able to fellowship together, and uh, then your regular youth activities, and uh, I mean, the, the facility itself is just used, you know, almost every day of the week, and it is able to minister to thousands upon thousands of people, if you really think about it, and you, you think about how long we've we've had this facility and that that really has become what what's so amazing to me just to think about how many thousands of people we have potentially reached with that facility so uh i i want to leave you with a word of encouragement if uh, i want you to to take some time later on today or this week and and talk with God, pray about what that facility might mean to you. And in those conversations, you know, really think about what God might ask you to give to to allow us to continue um, blessing multitudes of people with that facility. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Jordan, and we will continue to pray for healing for your knee because we want you back on those drums as soon as possible. This morning, I'd ask you to turn to hymn number 405, Have Faith in God. Uh, This hymn just has such a wonderful message, and it just helps us to know when our faith is in God, no matter what else goes on around us, we can turn to him. Uh, in the good times and the bad times. And we just want to stand this morning and sing and fill this room with our voices. Thank you for your singing so well on that first hymn. Let's continue and stand as we sing hymn number 405.
Shall we pray? Eternal God, as we bow in your presence, we give thanks for giving us the gift of having faith. Faith in you. For you have provided for us in ways too numerous for us to name. And we are grateful, Father, that as we come to this time to give back, we have the opportunity to do so because you have blessed us beyond measure. Bless the gift and the giver. In the name of Jesus, amen.
before we go into our time of prayer this morning, I wanted to tell you that Faye Tony, who is, uh, sings in our choir, and uh, husband Ron, you know, uh, has uh, also been suffering with a brain tumor. Uh, her mother passed away yesterday about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know any details or arrangements. Uh, I do know that she will be, uh, her mother's uh, arrangements are being made at Bennett's, the West Chapel, out on uh, Broad Street. And so uh, if you could pray for Faye and her family in this time. This was not unexpected. Her mother had been in failing health for, for quite some time with heart failure. But she did pass away, and that just uh, adds more sorrow uh, and discontent, of course, to the situation that she's already in. So I hope that you will remember the family in your prayers. And you can look for the arrangements, and uh, we'll know something probably by tomorrow afternoon if you want to call us. Uh, And if we know, we'll let you know then. Let's bow for prayer. Oh, Lord, as we come before you, we know that in all times you are there. You are there when we get up in the morning and when we go to bed in the evening. You are there, Father, as we journey throughout the day. And we are grateful for your presence. We pray, Father, that as we Uh, look to you that we might seek to strengthen our relationship with you through our faith. For Father, we know that you have called out to us to come to you. You seek after us in ways, Father, that uh, we sometimes cannot detect, and yet we know that you are calling for us. You have called to us through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for this we are grateful. We pray, Father, that as we move through life, journey this way, that we might be touched and transformed by the power that comes to us through your grace so that we might reach out with the saving story of salvation through Jesus. We're grateful, Father, that we have a story to tell and that story has the power to change and transform lives. We pray, Father, for those of our church family and community who are ill. We thank you, Father, where prayers have been answered, where healing has taken place, where lives have been touched and transformed by the very healing power of your presence. And yet, Father, there are many who are suffering this morning, and so we lift them to you and pray that you will wrap your arms around them and allow them, Father, to feel the power of your presence and your healing. We're grateful, Father, that as we pray, even in times of sorrow and loss, you are there. And because you are there, Father, we know that you can bring comfort and strength to grieving families. We pray, Father, that in some way, the hope that comes in knowing that this life is not the end, but only the beginning, can bring assurance to those who have lost loved ones. We're thankful, Father, that we can participate in ministries such as Christmas in August as we prepare and give to people who are less fortunate, who have great needs, who many times have left everything to come. And we're thankful that we have a part to play in making their lives a bit easier in their transition. We're grateful, Father, for the work of our church for our Sunday school hour and for those lives that are touched in Sunday school, for the groups that are developed in Sunday school and for the social 
aspect of all that is able to be accomplished as we grieve with one another, as we celebrate with one another. We know, Father, that we do so because you have provided for us in your word a way. We pray, Father, that you will bless our missionaries and their work here and around the world. We're grateful that they are willing to go and to give, even sometimes at the cost of their own lives and the security that comes in their families. Bless them, Father. Encourage them. Minister to them in the name of Jesus. Bless our time together this morning, Father, as we open your word and as we listen for a word from you. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
soul. The hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the First service people don't think that they have something personal against the minister. Uh, Our scripture this morning is found in Isaiah chapter 45 verses 20 through 25. On what is your faith based is the heading. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together you who have Escape from the nations, they have no knowledge who carry the wood of their carved image and carved image and pray to a God that cannot save. Tell and bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Look to me and be saved. All you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall take an oath. He shall say, surely in the Lord I have righteousness and strength. To him men shall come and all shall be ashamed who are incensed against him. In the Lord all the descendants of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. There is a story of a monk to whom many came for counsel, but who would never give anyone direct advice. He would only pose a question. One day a parish priest came to see him and said, I'm here on retreat, could you give me a question? The monk replied, ah, yes. My question is, what do they need? The priest went away disappointed but spent a a few hours wrestling with the question, writing out various answers. Finally, though, he went back to the monk. Excuse me, he said. 
Perhaps I didn't make myself clear. When I asked you for a question, I wasn't really thinking about my parishioners. Could you give a new question for my own spiritual life? Oh, I see, he said. In that case, my question is, what do you really need? What do you really need? That's always the question that is before us, isn't it? In life, we all have needs, and sometimes we have difficulty separating those needs from our wants and desires. But we all have needs. And our needs can be met when we come to an understanding of what it means to know where our faith rests. In his book, The New Shape of American Religion, Martin E. Marty accuses the American people of having a faith in faith. He indicates that in the revival interest in religion, many people have not put their faith in God but in faith itself. But is this the proper basis for faith? If you are to have faith, shouldn't it be based on something more objective, something more real than just the act of faith? He's on to something. Because we have faith in all kinds of things. And where our faith rests is where our loyalties are. When we have faith in faith, we give lip service to faith and really don't have faith in anything concrete, anything that will lead us in the paths that the Lord would have us to go. For in reality, the basis of faith is God. In these times that we live in, frightening as they may be as we see what goes on around us, we can have faith because this faith is based on God. Isaiah, the prophet, expressed the reason that faith must be based on God and on nothing else. There is nothing or no one else. God is the reason that we can have faith. Verses 20 through 25 are cast in the form of a trial speech as we look at this passage of Scripture. The survivors of the nations are commanded to assemble themselves and to justify their worship of idols in the face of God's claim to be the one true God. The Hebrew word for survivor is always used of one who has escaped from the destruction of his own city or nation. Here it presumably refers to those who have survived the judgments predicted in Isaiah in the preceding chapters. And the people are at a crossroads. They must decide where their faith rests. What is the object of their faith? In verse 20, the prophet attributes the worship of idols to men's ignorance and stupidity. As in earlier trial speeches, the nations are challenged to prove the authenticity of their gods with a little g. In the absence of proof, the Lord again enters His claim to be the only true God and Savior besides whom there is no other. And when we look at this story, we are tempted to to take the cultural bent on this and think in terms of the idols that they created. We see very clearly here that He called them out for carved idols. Man-made ornaments or uh, idols, if you will. Our idols may not be hand-carved, but we all have our idols. 
Where we put our faith and our passion and our trust becomes our idol. It can be family. It can be anything that stands in the way of your relationship to God. Because in the Ten Commandments, we know very clearly how it was pointed out to us. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So what is it that the people put before God in that time and in this time? What keeps us from placing our faith and our trust in the one who has the power to redeem us? What follows in this passage is totally unexpected. Instead of pronouncing judgment on those whose idolatrous worship has been so thoroughly discredited, the Lord invites them to look to Him and be saved. The word saved appears 27 times in Isaiah, 20 of which are in chapters 40 through 66. Its basic meaning is to give room or space, hence to liberate, to deliver, to rescue, or to lead out. To be saved, therefore, means to be liberated from all confining circumstances, to be set free in a broad place, to be given room to breathe freely. As John put it, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are bound by our lack of faith. We are bound by our faith in things other than God. And when we do that, we live very frustrated lives. Lives that are not as fruitful as they could be in the service of God because we are dependent on something other than God to see us through. We see in this passage of Scripture that the Bible does not argue for the existence of God. To the biblical writers, the existence of God was a self-evident fact. The Hebrews of the Old Testament were concerned with the character and activity of God. They knew the character and activity of God by what He had done among them. They had had experiences with God and those experiences had shown them that there is a God we have the opportunity to experience God as well. We have the opportunity to experience God through Jesus Christ. And when we give our lives to Him, when we commit ourselves in faith to Him, then we know there is a God. The opening words of the Bible are, In the beginning, God. This sets the stage for all else that follows. Because God is from the beginning, is the creator and sustainer of the world, and is the savior of the world, we can have faith in Him. Rather than trying to prove God, now hear this, rather than trying to prove God, the Bible records His act. It declares God's majesty and power. His presence and will are made known. The Bible is the authority for our faith and God is the basis for our faith. According to Isaiah, membership in the people of God is based not upon race or nationality but upon the individual's willingness to confess that God alone is God. We could clear up a lot of problems in our lives and in the lives of others if we could acknowledge that God is God and He is the only God. We live in a time where everything seems to be relative and relevant to the day. 
And when we live in those kinds of times, we must understand that God calls us to a concreteness of understanding of who He is in relationship to His creation. God is the basis for faith because of reality. Do we know there is a God? We certainly do. We have not seen Him, but we have felt His presence. We have not touched Him, but He has touched our lives. We have not heard His voice speak audibly, but we have heard the still small voice speak to the depths of our souls. God cannot be measured by the mathematician, analyzed by the chemist, or conjured by the philosopher. But any person who reaches out in faith can know that God is. This is the reality of God. We experience God as individuals. The relationship we have with God is personal. We come together for corporate worship. We come here to listen for a word from God, but that, list, that word is unique to you. Many times I preach sermons and my intent is never what someone or what someone gets out of it. People will come to me through the years or have come to me through the years and said, what you said really touched my life. Well, I don't stand up here and say, well, what can I say to make someone squirm? I don't do that as an individual. I don't single it out. That is the Lord speaking to you in your relationship to Him. It's a personal relationship. And that relationship gives us the proof that we need that God is real and that God exists for the good of our lives. How do we know there is a God? Surely the Bible tells us. Surely creation shouts it to the universe. But we can know decisively because we have known Him. God is personal, loving, and seeking. This is the reality of our lives and this is the basis for our faith. God became flesh so that we could have a relationship with Him. Faith does not exclude the thought of merit. It actually includes the idea of helplessness. In faith, one depends on another to do what a person is unable to do for him or herself. You think about that. If a child is ill and the child's parents call a doctor, they are confessing their own inability to deal with the illness and are expressing confidence in the doctor. There is no merit in calling the doctor. Their faith in the doctor merely gives him the opportunity to work. Isn't that right? You think about that. Through the years, we've all had to make those decisions as to whether or not to call the doctor about our children. Our children may be ill. Our children may have a fever and we have to make that decision in our mind. Should we take them to the doctor or should we wait it out? Well, I can tell you growing up in my house, we waited it out. Not me. I wasn't so. I would take mine quicker, but not as quick as Janet was willing to take them. But when we do that, we confess, don't we, that we can't do it on our own. We need the advice, we need the opinion of someone who is a professional who can help us through that time. But we can only do that, allow that person to do that when we give them opportunity to work in our children's lives. When Courtney was six years old, she fell off a trampoline and broke her arm so severely that they had to airlift her from 
uh, Lynchburg General Hospital to the University of Virginia Hospital in Charlottesville. They were afraid that the bone had ruptured an artery and they had just a very short time to get that under control or she could bleed to death. And so they were frantic. So they sent her to the University of Virginia Hospital and when I got there uh, to the hospital, I had to sign forms to release the doctor to do the surgery. It wasn't enough that she had gone up there. It wasn't enough that it was life-threatening. I had to put my name on something saying, I am giving the doctor permission to do what is necessary to mend her arm. As it turned out, the artery was not compromised. The bone was just lying against the uh, artery and cutting off the blood flow until they immobilized it. But I had to trust that doctor to do what was necessary to possibly save her life. And you have been in the same situations before. So there are times that you have put your faith in something because you were helpless to act on your own. God would have us understand the same thing about our relationship to Him. He has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He has given us an opportunity to have life everlasting and forgiveness from sin. Faith rests on God, receives from God, responds to God, relies on God, realizes God, rejoices in God, and reproduces His life and character. When you walk in faith in a relationship with God, other people will see it. I know it to be true. God is the basis for faith because of revelation. What do we know about God? Revelation includes not only how we know God, but also what we know about God. Everything we know about God has been revealed to us by God Himself. He has made Himself known to us through the testimony of His creation, through the words of Scripture, and through our experiences with Him. The final and complete revelation of God is in Jesus Christ. When we couldn't understand God in the way that we needed to understand Him, God became flesh and dwelt among us. He lived among us so that we could understand how we could live in relationship with God and how our lives could be transformed by His grace. But we look at the natural attributes of God. God is all present. The omnipresence of God. God is present everywhere. But more important to faith is the biblical emphasis that God is present in a particular place. That's hard for us to understand, isn't it? How can God be everywhere and God be here? God is here in us. We know that to be true. We know that at Bethel, after Jacob's dream, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. God is all-knowing. The omniscience of God. God knows everything, but God also knows everyone. God's knowledge is particular, personal, and redemptive. God knows our lives. You know, it's easy to understand that from the standpoint of the words that He said, but harder to comprehend because we know that God said that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So God is all-knowing. God knows what our needs are before we know. 
God is all-powerful. The omnipotence of God. God can do anything that power can do. Personally, it is important to know that God has the power to save. God's greatest demonstration of power was Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. We know that God saves us through His Son, Jesus Christ. But then we look at the moral attributes of God. God is righteous. And He requires righteousness of all. But God gives the righteousness that He requires. All that is right and good is found in God. God is holy. Holiness basically means to be separate. God is separate and distinct from humans. There is mystery about God that we will never comprehend. And that's okay. We have to put our faith in something that is hard for us to comprehend. But if we could comprehend all there was to comprehend about God, He wouldn't be God. We are so small and yet so loved by the God of the universe. I've said it before to you and I repeat it in the first service. I'm always taken aback when I think about how that in our world people try to rationalize everything. Not everything is rational. We might think it is, but it's not. There are things that occur in our lives that have no other explanation than divine influence. And one of those we all have experienced if we've experienced the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that's grace. Because grace, by its very definition, is not rational. It's unmerited favor. It's something that's given to us that we don't deserve. How is that rational? Don't try to rationalize God. Believe in God. Have faith in God. And know that the answer to your questions is beyond this life. But the answers are there. God is love. The basic characteristic of God is love. God has shown His love to us in many and varied ways in our lives. But the greatest way was through Jesus Christ. God is the basis for faith because of relationships. How are we related to God? J.S. Whale has said, The fundamental question is this. How do we pass from abstract argument about God to living awareness of God? Our relationship with God is one of faith. This is the faith with an adequate basis. Faith rested securely in God. God loves us and seeks us. From the time God walked to the Garden of Eden shouting, Adam, where are you? To the cross where Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. To the last chapter of Revelation where we read these words, and the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever freely. The Bible is the story of God's search for humanity. Even in the midst of our sin and rebellion against God, He loves us and seeks us. We can be related to God through faith and commitment. Have you ever been lost, truly lost, and wondering if anybody was looking for you? That's a scary feeling, isn't it? To be lost in that way. You remember a few years ago when the little boy 
with special needs was lost in the northern part of the county. And how that not only the local media, but even national media picked up the story and there were people who came from everywhere to search for that little boy, weren't there? And finally somebody found him. And we all rejoiced, didn't we? We were all so happy that the child was found. I remember a similar story, and I've told you that story before, about a hiker who was lost in the Appalachian Mountains on the Appalachian Trail, not far from where I used to live, and they couldn't find him. And you know how news reporters sometimes try to get right to the chase, and sometimes it sounds so stupid once somebody puts you in your place, and this is one of those cases. They ask him, why are you out here looking for the man? And his response was simple but yet profound. He said, because he was lost. And he needed to be found. That's how God seeks us. We need to be found. And so he calls to us and we respond to him in faith. A seminary student affected by skepticism talked with an older, wiser minister one day. He expressed his doubts about God and the Bible. To explain what he considered the contradictions of the Bible, he mentioned the reference that God is love and that God is a consuming fire. How were they to be reconciled? The preacher stopped in the lovely garden path where they were walking and pointed to a beautiful blooming flower. They agreed that it owed its beauty to the sun. Then they noticed a flower that had been pulled and was wilting and curled. That too was due to the sun. Then the minister stated that the same sun could feed and nourish or wither and kill depending on the relationship to it. And it is that way with God. When we are rightly related to God, we have His strength His love and salvation. When we are not rightly related to Him, we know His judgment. By faith, we can know. Faith makes the up look good, the outlook bright, the end look favorable, and the future glorious. God is the basis for our faith. Were there no God, we would have no faith. But there is a God and we can know Him through faith. This carries us through. This shows us the way. Tell and bring forth your case. Yet, yes, let them take counsel together who has declared this from ancient time, who has told it from time. Have not I the Lord and there is no other God beside me? A just God and a Savior. A just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Where is your faith? What is your faith based on? What is your relationship like to the Lord? Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful for these words from Isaiah. They remind us of the need for our faith. Of the hope that rests in us that when we place our faith in you, you will provide. 
May we examine our relationship with you and strengthen that relationship through our very faith. Help us, Father, to come to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust that ever-living one, his wounds for me shall plead. Our hymn of invitation is number 412, My Faith has found a resting place. Has your faith truly found a resting place in God? It's only a question you can answer. Will you stand as we sing? Faith has found a resting place, not It's a joy to come together in the house of the Lord and I'm thankful that you have been here today to share in this time together. I hope that as we leave that we understand the significance and importance of faith in our relationship to God. Again, thank you and let's bow for a closing prayer. Gracious Lord, as we depart on this day, we do so recognizing that faith is all that we need 
to follow you. May we step out in faith, Father, recognizing that you have proven yourself over and over and over again to us. May we take the relationship that we have with you and trust